Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon, and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a she'ilah, a halachic query or a halachic topic you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a Rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one -one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com, which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you. And we're back. It's been a long break, but we're back with more RZ Weekly Goodness. Hey, everybody. My name is Ruvain Spolter. I'm here with Rabbanit Malibravsky. Hello, Rabbanit Malibravsky. Hello. Hi. Rabbanit Malibravsky is a senior faculty member and the director of the Shana Bet program and the in-house social worker at MMY. She is also a clinical social worker with a private practice, practice in Gush Etzion. Uh, we're here with Rav Johnny Salman. Hello, Rav Johnny. Shalom, shalom. Johnny is a teacher at Vijasha Lidabam in Matan. He's an editor, editor at Mosaica Press and an independent Jewish education and consultant. He also works as a rabbi for people without a rabbi, providing online spiritual coaching, halachic consultation, and one-to-one -one learning services to men and women around the world. Beyond this, Rav Johnny writes a daily commentary, a, da, a, a thought on Dafyomi and serves as the posseik in his local shul in Evan Shmuel. Rav Johnny, after reading that, I need a vacation. I hear you're going on vacation. <laughs> I'm going on vacation. Me and my family, we're going to a place called Shlomi up north and uh, going to be enjoying the north of Israel uh, as one often does. You in the and the and rest of the Israeli to. population. So enjoy. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Uh, and my name is Ruvain Spolter. I am the director of the Rimonim Teacher Training Program at the Herzog Academic College in Israel, Michlelet Herzog. He's, I'm also, he is also, I'm reading it. I'm also the founder and director of Kitad.org, an online Jewish learning program that teaches Jewish texts and values in a Khan Academy format. Hello. Okay, so we are post Tisha Tayamim, post Tisha Hashem, back to listening to music. I subscribe to Spotify. Do you either, do, do either of you do Spotify? Yeah, I love it's, it. I it's excellent. I, I told you the beginning of uh, Corona that our family gift was to have a family package. Oh, it's excellent. So I, the whole family's on there. I, we were yeah. doing Apple Music. Should have switched a yeah. long oh, time yeah. ago. Yeah, this is a, yeah. Um, by the way, you can get RZ Weekly on Spotify if yes. you're listening now. On uh, Spotify should, uh, if you're listening. We should uh, get a uh, endorsement um, from Spotify. We should yes, I, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that they reach out to us. Okay. <laughs> um, um, so uh, um, we're back to Spotify. And we thought this would be a great opportunity to dive into a particular artist that we, that we really, really in, enjoy 
and that we also think has a lot to say about to Israel and about Israel. His name is Hanan Ben Ari. So uh, before I ask Molly to sort of introduce Hanan Ben Ari for people who haven't met him or don't know who he is or what he's about, um, I will say here in Yad Vidyamin there was a there was a concert. They have outdoor concerts, beautiful outdoor concerts last week, and there was a very 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 famous Hasidic singer who you've all heard of. And I don't want to say, I'm going to say not, not wonderful things, but he's a very famous singer. He is what he is. But sitting at the concert, I, I found that my taste in music has changed to such a degree that I, I no longer have patient, patience for, unless I'm doing like a kumzitz or something, to sit and listen to like classic Hasidic music. You know, the old time Hasidic music, the Jewish music that we grew up on. Because Hanan Ben-Ari is a world-class musician. There's, there's music it's not just that he has something to say. The music has something to say. He's sampling from different styles, and it's interesting, and it's exciting. And, uh, and uh, so, I, I mean, I, like, I'm a huge fan, as you're going to see all of us are, but we thought this would be a great opportunity to talk about some, a cultural phenomenon, literally a huge phenomenon in Israel today, and also what it means as, as religious Jews about Israel and for us. So, Mali, take it away. Okay, so... Who is... Hanan Ben Ari, okay. why do you care about him so much? All right, so I'll tell you why I care about him. I, I, I don't have so much to say about who he is as a person. I feel like people can, uh, I guess, Wikipedia him uh, to find out about his life. He's a, he's a Dati Lumi person. He's extremely talented musically. Um, but I want to start by talking, and, we'll, and we're going we're gonna to talk about his songs so people can understand a little more about that. But I want to talk, as you said, about the sociology of Hanan Ben Ari and what, what I think he stands for. I think he's the best... He's, he's one of the best examples of the following phenomenon. So uh, it happens to me that this morning I, somebody handed me um, an article by Jonathan Sachs about Norman Lamb's Torah Umada. And I was like, oh, this is a perfect way to introduce Haran Ben-Ari because um, what comes out of that article is, is basically, I'll say this is a combination of Rabbi Lamb and Jonathan Sachs's understanding of Torah Umada is that when you look at Torah Umada, it's, it's, the Mada is different depending on what time period you're in, right? So in, in, Ram, in, in Ramam's time, it was Aristotelian physics. In, the, in Rav Hirsch's time, it was, you know, uh, the, the acculturation into German, whatever it is. And in our time, this is Rabbi Sachs's critique, he says, why, why is there such a difficulty in creating a Torah Umada? He says, because the Mada in our time are the challenges of modernity. And Rabbi Sachs says modernity today... Um, has a lot of values that are antithetical to Judaism. And basically, he, he calls for a more robust Torah that bridges the secular world and the religious world so we can live a holistic world, which is the ideal of Torah Omada. Why am I saying all of this? Because I think that what's happening in Israel, finally, is, a, is, is basically what Rabbi Sachs was calling for in a successful way. Israel is learning in this country, and we've, I think we've alluded to this before, but in this country, there's this movement in which basically we are living our full lives as Jews and, and, and kind of the blur between religion and, and everything else in life, I don't even want to call it secular, is becoming, is becoming transformed and everything is becoming religious. Right. And it's just an interesting conversation we could have at a different time about are there negatives for that for religiosity. But I think that it's essentially the there's something here that I will say is, is nothing less than the um, 
the culmination of the, the, the ultimate vision of the Torah and the dream of the Jewish people, which is to not live religiosity as a separate sectarian thing that you just do in your shul and in your, um, and in your Beit Midrash, but that is Judaism is your life. And your life is Judaism, and Hanan Ben-Ari's music is a reflection of that. Um, and, and that, I think, is the most important thing to say about his music. Now, beyond that, I want to say he himself is super talented, and his music is super deep. And that's important also because I think that the fact that... Um, yeah, I'm going to just Wait, say... What, no, it's important to say we're going to go through his, some of his songs. Yeah. Each of us is going to share a yeah. favorite song. But it's not... If you haven't heard his music, I'm, I think most of the listeners in this, po- in this podcast fall in a very uh, narrow slice of demographics, but you haven't heard it. It's not your classical you know, Jewish music where you take a verse, you take a, something from Tehillim and repeat it over and over again. There are, in, in, in classic modern, modern music, he borrows from classic liturgy. He quotes it extensively, but these are full Hebrew songs with lyrics that he writes and music exactly. that he writes. So it's important it's a, to, to, to note yeah. that. Right. And I should just add on the, on the tale of that, it's not the classic Mizrahi music either. You see, often when we think of uh, deep-feeling, soulful Israeli music, we think of Mizrahi music, mm-hmm. and this isn't that either. And that's, in many ways, he combines so many different genres. As he says, he combines piyut, he combines R&B, he combines hip-hop. And there is this fusion which most of us haven't yeah. experienced until now, and yet it's not there for the audience. It's there as an authentic expression of the musician. And it's even beyond. I've, I've seen Yishai Rebo's music, who's another example of this, of what I've been talking about. His Seder Avodah, which I think many of our listeners are familiar with, has been mm. called Modern Day Midrash, and it is. But this is even beyond that. Yishai Rebo just takes words and he puts them together, more or less. Haran Benari is a poet. His, his, I was, as I was looking through the words, you could, you could, you could, you know, ha- you could give a course in the, in the, in the songs of Hanan Ben Ari. He touches on so many things. And my point, one of the points I wanted to make about the depth is this is what our kids are listening to. And I think that's also part of what I think is, is very striking about it. Our kids are used to speaking in poetic language and thinking about things in a very deep way. And it almost comes secondhand to them, right? They, they kind of um, get it with their mother's milk as they grow up. And I think that's also part of Israeli culture that's worth mentioning and the last thing I want to say just because I feel like I have to say it is that I'm super impressed with him as a human being he has done a few things first of all the first time I was introduced to him he was not famous he happened to have been doing a show about adolescence and and relationships between oh, parents I'm so and glad you mentioned, mentioned that did you ever see that show yeah he showed up at, I mean it was like oh so, no, so another, explain yeah, what it is you have to explain because oh it's, no it it's no longer it's no longer here anymore it's, it's of not, course it's not because the guy is now you know selling out Caesarea Stadium, which is the biggest <laughs> stadium in Israel. But he, he started, I, again, it was one of those, oh no, a parent-child night about adolescence. I have to go right, to my daughter's right. school. And I was like blown away. I was like, you, I, I, t- I cannot, Don't tell me you didn't cry at the end. Don't tell I, me you didn't cry. Everybody, I was like, who is this guy? And like, wh- how are we, we Zohar? This It was like, as if like John Lennon had shown up and started singing, you know, it was so deep. Of course I cried. It was about the relationship between parents and adolescents. He told this incredibly moving story, which I won't tell now because I don't want to take up the time, but basically showing how hurt he was as a child by something that his father did. And then he told his father and his father told him a story that he didn't know as a child about something he had done for his son, which showed how much he had loved his son. Um, He spoke about... You Wait, but it wasn't say. no. He, you're saying it wasn't a show. It was a music. It was a musical. It was a music. It was a he's saying that he's saying Absolutely. musical. It's like it was he, unbelievable. He about his, his I saw brother. it once in the in a row it when was I was looking at it. It's crazy. Unbelievable. It was unbelievable. So he's just as a human being, he's a mensch. And I just want to mention one other thing because I was like two two other things. I'm sorry, but 
one was at the height of Corona, he was on this like moving stage that was like going through mm-hmm. the towns mm-hmm. just to like cheer people up. And people started to come out and congregate. And he said to them, listen, guys, this is not the point. You can't be here and congregate. If you're going to congregate, I'm going to stop singing because that's not responsible. And the people didn't stop. And he's like, sorry, I have to call this off, which I thought was so impressive as a as a human being and, and, and taking responsibility. And then the last story I want to tell is that also during Corona, every Friday he would broadcast from his living room a musical sort of mini performance with his kids. And at a certain point he stopped and he mm-hmm. said, this is this is not healthy for my children. Being on the stage, blurring the line between public and private in terms of my family and having a camera on my kids is not healthy and I'm stopping. And I was like, wow, you, you, you know, leave everything else aside. You have just earned my respect as a, as a healthy human being. And that's before we start talking about, you know, Ruby said, did I cry at that song? I could cry at every Haran Ben-Ari song. Just, you know, <laughs> play it for me a couple times. Okay, so that's 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 who Haran Ben-Ari is and why I think he's important, both culturally and why I think he's worth um, knowing about personally. Okay, so the way we thought we'd do this is each of us was going to pick a song. Apparently, Molly picked a bunch of songs and explain <laughs> yeah. why it was meaningful to them and what, what it sort of brought out to them. And uh, so we're going to start with Rev. Johnny, but we're going to bring a, do our, our ad a little bit early, which is right now. So stay with us. I'm here with Sean Harris, a Kita for Home Plus student from the United States. I asked Sean how he enjoyed learning with Kita over the course of the year. Kita was really an amazing experience because I got to learn three new things every week. One Kumash, one Mishnah, and one Gamara. After each week, I got to discuss those things, and I learned a lot. I also asked Sean what were his favorite parts of the Kita for Home Plus program. My favorite part of the Kita lessons um, are getting to go onto Zoom and actually discuss them, because then it's a two-way conversation and not just learning, it's interactive as well. I also spoke to Sean's parents and asked them how they felt about Kita. Yeah, we love the program. It was phenomenal. It, it exceeded our expectations for sure. Sean learned so much. It was providing him a basis to go to high school for yeshiva education. We just appreciated all the learning that we did every week. Do you know a family looking for a Jewish education solution for their children? Kita offers serious Jewish learning at an affordable price. To find out more, visit kita.org. That's K-I-T-A-H dot O-R-G. Okay, Rav Johnny, what song have you picked or songs? I don't know. You tell me. Um, oh, I, I'm I sorry. Picked a song. Before I we do, I'm going to see if our if our engineer is able to when when Johnny picks a song. When you pick a song, if we can download a short clip of the song and sort of play with you, just a very short clip, so people get a sense of it. Obviously, all this stuff is available on Spotify, on like on the all the different apps, so you can uh, you can listen to them to your heart's desire as well. But maybe the audio would be good. I'm sorry, Johnny. Go ahead. No worries. So, so I just want to add just a, a few further comments, both about Hanan Ben-Ari as an artist, as an individual, and then briefly spend, uh, mention the song that I've picked called uh, Im Tiltsi. So um, uh, Hanan Ben-Ari was born in Karnation 1, which is, by the way, o- itself of interest because um, those who speak differently about the Shtachim are not, perhaps may well presume to know somebody's politics and their ideology based on where they were brought up. He now lives in Pardes Chana. He's age 33, he's got six kids. Uh, and as Mali said, he has 
uh, been quite robust in terms of his distinction between uh, personal and public life. Although, when you listen to some of the interviews with him, he does say there was a time a few years ago where he got the balance wrong. And his wife, he said, my wife had a quick sit down with me and she didn't tell me what to do. But she said, you know, I don't need to be missing out on certain things in the kid's life. And he said, from then on, I, I've really tried to change things. And he's very, very transparent in terms of who he is and what he believes. And uh, when you listen to the feedback of audiences, the general sentiment, I want to quote to you uh, something that uh, one of the audience members said in a brief documentary on Khan about Hanan Ben-Ari. Uh, she said, He basically touches on all the different uh, groups uh, and uh, factions within uh, Israeli society. And I think that not only does he do that, but his language, his words, his music, and as mentioned before, his fusing of different musical styles consciously melts the Migzari boundaries within uh, the state of Israel and also within each and every one of us. So you listen to him, sometimes a song can be very, very soulful, and you feel it's touching a certain part of yourself. And then sometimes it's very poppy, and you get a lot from him in terms of the kind of the the wider musical experience, unlike many Hasidic singers who are often very just you know producing very similar sounding music, however good it may well be, it, it's he's got a very eclectic um, list of songs, and that makes it very stimulating. But as Mali also said, his lyrics are deep, and they reflect on his perception of society, his perception of self, and his emphasis always is about authenticity. He believes that it's essential to be authentic as a musician, and people respect him precisely because of that. And I'll say one further thing before I get to my song, which is he's, uh, when reflecting on how many musicians have proceeded uh, uh, because they've been on reality TV shows, he said, I didn't choose that path. And he's done the long, hard slog. I mean, he's now uh, extremely famous, and he's been primarily producing music in, informally already since his early teens and more seriously for the last seven, eight years. But he knows that he could have, shall we say, maximized on the uh, opportunities of reality TV. And he said, I didn't want to do that. I want to find myself through the endeavor of writing music and listening to feedback. And in a world where people try and get fame quickly, here's somebody who took his time and respected audiences and in so doing, gifted them with an understanding of him and an appreciation of his music. Yeah, now that we talk so about him so, so, so glowingly, I just should say that I actually reached out to him. Somehow I got his email address and asked him if he would come on our podcast, to which he politely declined. Not sure because he never heard of us or because it's in English or whatever, but uh, he was very gracious. It makes me worry about, like, fame. I don't think... I don't think that we can appreciate the price of fame and the cost that has mm. to, to a person. And are we going to be as forgiving of him in his, in his failures as it, we are in our love of him, you know, in his successes and the, and the wonderful things that he writes? And fame is a fickle thing. And crowds are fickle things. And adoration is, you know, yeah. the music and could be as corrupts. wonderful. And fame corrupts, as you yeah. said. Like, we could be talking about him and it could be in 10 years he'll be in a different place. I hope not. I hope he sticks to to keeping his priorities straight. And as Johnny said, his wife was part of that. Um, but yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Okay, Johnny, your song. So, so my song. It's it's funny. I I know a lot of songs, but I always allows it remembering the titles of songs. 
So beforehand, I, I asked my, my second daughter, Aviva, uh, to come in my office. I said, you know, tell me, which, which Hanan ben Ari songs do we listen to the most? We went through the playlist and kind of danced to some of them. <laughs> and uh, we both agreed that Imtiltsi is a song that just, you know, gets our family going. And it's a very, in many ways, it's a very poppy song. And uh, unless you listen to the words and perhaps even look at the video that was made for it, you, you wouldn't necessarily pay more attention to it than any other poppy song. But then you listen to the words and then you look at the video and you ask yourself what's going on here. And I want to tell you where the video was was um, recorded in, spontaneously. And it was recorded in um, an Ichelov hospital in Tel Aviv. And what he wants to do is say, in a place where so many people struggle and have pain, I want to bring joy. And all of a sudden, just in that choice of having a video which is based just on a lift in an elevator, um, where he doesn't move that much and the other people in the elevator, not so much either. But <laughs> At the end, there isn't much, place highlight- to, there isn't much room to right, move. Right, exactly. Yeah. What it highlights <laughs> is how music can touch us sometimes in the most uh, difficult of places. And even in the most uh, uh, um, unstimulating of settings, namely an elevator, music can change things. And Hanan Ben-Ari, by the way, he was a, he was a school teacher before he became a musician. And uh, he believes that music can change people's lives. And he believes that music can enter people's hearts and, and educate them in, in a very deep way about values. And that was really the thinking behind Im Tiltsi. And in, in terms of the lyrics, um, it really reflects on love, but not in a shallow way. So many songs about love are shallow. This isn't one, and almost none of his are anything like that. They're about loyalty more than love in many ways. Uh, And when you emphasize loyalty with love rather than love with lust or something like that, it's a whole different message. And so being there for people when you want to be there for people and being there for people when they want you to be there for them, that overlaid with this vision and with this location of, of a hospital uh, and somebody who's very transparent about who he is and the journey he's gone on makes this not just a regular pop song. It makes it a meaningful song that when you listen to it, there's something that clicks inside you and you say, this is special. And uh, the closer you look at it, the more you realize so much thought has gone into um, what you're enjoying, both with your ears and, and I think with your soul as well. Yeah, it's actually part of the part of the part of the idea of the song. He says, "Im if you want, I will give you mangina a song that will heal kol machov any any pain that you have." It's very very mm. beautiful, you know. And uh, I, I didn't like now that we're thinking about. It, I know the song and I listen to it all the time, but I'm not I'm not always as attentive to all the words of all the songs. So it's a very very beautiful idea. Right. Uh, truth is, it took me also. Uh, a moment of reflection, say, I know this song, but I don't know why it goes deeper than I would have expected for the, all the other songs that I know. And, and there's something actually really um, beautiful. You know, you now that I realize it, that I'm reading the words, yeah, I think exactly. he's also paraphrasing Shir Hashirim. Uh, 
because he says, Ani akum He turns around uh-huh. Shirashirim and says, I will get up and you won't be there. Ani I'll cry out to the whole city. I'll ask if someone, that's like, that's your shirim. Sure. That's your shirim, but it's mm-hmm. the it's the it's turned around. So that sort of reflects on what Molly was saying that there, there's a there's 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 deep 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 Jewish tradition in all of these in all these songs. If you're if you're looking for them, right, you know you would have to sort of be familiar in order to in order to see that. Molly, you want to say something about that song? Or uh, well, I, you know, it was in my list, and I just wrote Im Tirtzi marriage. So I think uh, you know it's just a beautiful ode to marriage, and I think Johnny's right that like um, that's not necessarily common. Um, it, you know, Johnny talked about loyalty, but that's what it's about. It's about, it's not about romantic love, which is what's so much, I mean, it's also about romantic love, but it's not about that first flush. It's about committed love and it's beautiful, but it's done in a Khalil way, as Johnny said. It's, it's light, it's fun, it's poppy. And it basically is saying that, that married life can be, can be fun. And I, 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 I don't mean that that's the main message, but I'm saying it's not an either or. There's either romantic love and then there's a slog of marriage. It's like, you know, like no, we let's let's live a life of commitment and joy. Nice. Okay, I'm gonna do the next one. If you're, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the the song that mm-hmm. I chose is a song called the Wikipedia, which is on his Lo Levada album, which I think is an excellent, just excellent album. So many just beautiful, powerful songs. And uh, the the Wikipedia is a it's a sad it's a it's a, I would say it's a sad song. It's a mournful song, where he's he's. He's yearning for something. He's wanting something. And the theme of the song basically is, please stop categorizing me. And he calls it Wikipedia, which is Hebrew for Wikipedia, okay, because he says, Don't sum me up in Wikipedia. Like, and, and I, I think that like, this was sort of a turning point. The people looked at him and said, you have a kippah on your head, so you're dati, so you fit into this, you fit into this, into this mold. And he, he, it's a very fast song. I can't really, I, my, my kids, as Molly said, can sing it much faster than I can, so... I kind of have to read the words, but he says, you know, he starts paraphrasing what people say about, about, uh, about all these different people. You know, you know the, all the Russians are like this. Like all, everybody's like this, everybody's that. And what he's saying basically is, is stop categorizing me. Don't, I mean, and, and stop categorizing people because Whilst, while we do fit molds and while we do fit into larger categories, everyone's an individual. And I have the things that I love and I have the things that are about me. He says, I'm everything. I'm nothing. Stop categorizing me. And when I hear that song, it's so meaningful to me because I think that that's something that is, on the one hand, important for us as people. You know, I'm actually going to, I'm about to give an online lesson for a bunch of teachers in, in uh, Australia through my work in Herzog. And so they asked, do some Torah Eretz Yisrael. So I thought I was going to base it on some songs. And I think I'm going to bring this song, this Wikipedia songs, to expose them to, you know, I think they know Hanan ben Ari. But it's so important when we come into like Yamim Noraim, we talk about being judged and judging other people. And it's so easy for us to say, don't judge me. 
But we are we just we do it right away. We look at a person, we evaluate that person, and I, I think that you know when you know people, some of the biggest tzaddikim that I know, you know, don't, don't always wear a yarmulke, and some of the people who wear the biggest, uh, you know, the most Jewish dress in the world, they look as Jewish as they can be, are unfortunately don't act in Jewish ways in, in many different ways, and so our tendency to sort of to, to categorize people based on what we see and based on who they are and where they live and what group they fall into is, is unfair. And that's why I found, I found his, and, and I think what he was also saying was that when we silo ourselves as communities, that divides us as a people. And if you, Johnny, one of the things that struck me on that Khan, um, that Khan uh, sort of documentary, they did a documentary when he, when he had these four sold out concerts in Caesarea. And they're like, okay, he's hit the top because to sell out Caesarea, like, and he spoke about the idea that he feels that he could be a unifying force in the Jewish people. And that's something that, uh, Johnny, that you mentioned, that this woman said, that woman said, oh, it's like, you know, he goes to all these different mixarim. He, he goes beyond different specific slices, speaks to everyone. And that's something that's, some, that's important to all of us, to, to be, have someone speak and say, you know, I, it's important to me what Haredim do. It's important to me what Chilonim do. It's important for there to be bridges. And one way of doing that is to say, all of us are exceptions, and that while we definitely subcategorize, and I feel most comfortable in a group A, at the same time, uh, you know, we have a lot of things that we can learn from everyone, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't immediately categorize people. Yeah, Johnny. I, I want to uh, pick up on a little bit more of those lyrics, because I think when we have religious uh, song makers, musicians, we often put them on a pedestal as if somehow they are representatives of observance or religion uh, as if they are elokim. and he he says exactly the opposite he says i'm not uh, an ambassador for god right um uh, and i i think it's important to to know that though he's very proud of his faith and his faith really ebbs through what he does he's not claiming to be a voice of religion he's claiming to be a musician um and all too often when we put too much faith in musicians as people uh, of faith, and sometimes they fall or make various choices, which is, of course, they're right, they can be very, very confusing. You know, it's really and interesting, like you say, a lot of musicians or religious musicians see themselves as sort of, like you said, ambassadors for religion. People that are, uh, you know, into Kirov and uh, get people to do mitzvot and to, and to promote a religious message. And like you said, he, he doesn't see that as his role. And perhaps through not having that, not seeing that role, not pushing himself, that's the most effective way of promoting a religious lifestyle. Right, and, exactly. And not just promoting a religious lifestyle, but what, what I was talking about before, which is like, there's so, much, there's so many ways to be religious in Israel these days. Like, I agree with you. I think he also is speaking to the religious youth by, by, in the way that he's speaking, but he could, he's reaching everybody and making... Judaism attractive to everybody because he refuses to be labeled and that's that mm. you know he, he's he's speaking that's also part of what I love about Wikipedia is that he's speaking as himself but the message then he's able which is a, a, really a hallmark of a great poet is to take your own personal message and, and make it relevant for everybody else and that's what he really does in that song because he's really he's talking about his own personal experience he says I don't want you to call me a religious singer and don't call me anything and don't put me in any box but everybody who hears it, as Ruby said, is like, well, don't, don't put me in any box either. It's such a profound right. message. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, you automatically identify. Like, well, you know, exactly. That's kind of how you always feel. 
You know, I could be a religious person and enjoy listening to the Eagles and also like study Gemara and also consider myself halachic. And I don't have to fit into your boxes because of that. I don't and, feel that I have to do that. And that way we all feel much more connected to each other. As you said, when we unsilo, I think, which is also part of, part of the, his, what he's doing for Israeli society in a very healthy way. Okay, Molly, give us some songs. You okay, so I have like a list, so I'll try to give them right, each, you, you, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to be short. I'll, I'll, I'll try to be, I'll, I'll do a, sh- a short about each one, but I can't not talk about the song Ima Im, Ima Im Hayiti, which is oh. his, um, I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I just, I looked it up to see. He, he didn't, it's, it's a song about, written from the perspective of a child who was expelled from Gush Katif. <laughs> הזיכרונות עוד צופים את המוח האהבה לא ניצחה גם לא הרוח He apparently stayed in Gush Katif for a short while um, and this was his reflection about that experience. He didn't actually grow up in Gush Katif but if you hear the song you would think that he had um, and it's, it's really important to listen to because I think that one of the problems, the expulsion in, in Gush Katif, I think that when that happened, does anybody remember what year that was? Um, there was it was there, 2007, I think, yeah. 2006, no, 2005, I don't know, well, a long time ago. I, I think one of the major tragedies of the expulsion from Gush Katif, and I think Israeli society has changed because of the expulsion from Gush Katif, but at the time, I feel like there was so much stereotyping. I don't think that the, the, the Israeli... Um, Population really understood the experience of the Gush Katif um, settlers, and I think there was a tremendous so- sociological chasm. And this song, well, th- it, this is not for our discussion now. Yeah, but there was there wasn't just a chasm; there was deep anger and deep resentment, and and Correct. for the for the murder of Yitzhak Rabin, deep deep anger, and many yeah. have suggested that the expulsion from Gush Katif was collective punishment of the, secular, of the secular public getting back at them for ruining their dream of peace. Yeah, and there was actually... That's a, a dis- different discussion. Yeah, just different like discussion. And actually, you can look up Sivan Rav Meir, who I am on last time, wrote about it from a journalist perspective. And she said the, um, the way the journalists, what's the word, um, like, uh, smeared... The, the, the population of Gush Katif at the time, she said, was horrific and, 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 and it, you know, it, it was a real tragedy. So this is a song that expresses the experience of the Gush Katif um, who lost the youth, but, 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 but I would say all the, the whole population. I actually did a paper in social work school about coping with loss, about how to help them. Like it was such a, what I would do to help that, that lost generation. And I really do think that to the credit of the Tatilumi community, they have, they have, they have, um, I'd say, uh, rebuilt themselves in many ways, but I think everybody should listen to that song. So that's one. Um, and again, I'll, I'll try to be fast. Chaim Shalanu Tutim, which was one of his first successes, which again, if you listen to it, is mm. just a pop song. Everything's great. We love our life. <laughs> But if you read the lyrics, that's not what it says. It says, oh my gosh, it's such a pain to live in this country. There's so many taxes and, and the, you know, what we can't have a government and, um, you know, my, 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 uh, uh, 
I can't remember right now if you can, we can Google the words, but like all the things that everybody fetches about. And then the, 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 the stanza, what's it called? The chorus is, we should not complain. Everything's great. Baruch Hashem. Our lives are awesome. And I think there's a dual message there. I One think it's is, sort of tongue in cheek a little bit. Right. I don't know. Of like, course <laughs> it is. But that's the brilliance of the song because he's saying both things. He's saying, I'm not going to be saccharine. I'm going to acknowledge the difficulties. But I'm also going to be an optimist and say that we, we're very blessed to be here. And I think that's, that, that's very reflective of him because he's complex. His messages are always just a little deeper than you think they they could be and should be. And for such a such a pop song, that's, a, that's I think, a good example of that. Okay. Amen um, al-Hayyaladim, which, again, I could do an entire podcast about Amen al-Hayyaladim. Amen al-Hayyaladim is a song from the perspective of a parent about being a, a parent. Hey, actually, it, I didn't love that song. I don't know. It's, 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 it's very like difficult. It's, it's, it's the musically less, um, less, I would say, engaging. But if you listen to the words, and especially if you watch the video... Ruby, you will cry. Mm-hmm. Oh, I he saw it, but he takes all these clips of parents in COVID yeah. and all that. I, I didn't like it. I thought right. it was too, I thought it was a little... Okay, read the words. A little much. I thought it's, it was a little too much. Read the words. It's a, it, To me, it was reflective of how Israeli... There's a whole, again, a whole sociology about how Israelis um, relate to children. Israelis love children. Israelis put children on a pedestal in a way that other cultures don't. It may, may be Holocaust trauma. It may be sending your kids to the army at 18 trauma. But there's an awareness of the preciousness of um, of children that is very deeply ingrained in in Israeli culture and in Israeli society, and the words of Amen Aliyadim really reflect what a parent feels the the, the, the like ha, um, trepidation, the fear of, of 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 what it means to give your heart. I once read this quote: "Having a child is like." Uh, having your heart walking around, walking around outside of your body, hmm. and this song really reflects that in a very beautiful way. And I, and again, as you know, maybe one day we'll talk about it. I, I think there's a cultural phenomenon that is very anti-children in today's world, and I think that this song counter that counters that in a beautiful way. Um, I can't not mention Hindig, Ruby. You're the one who said to me, Hindig. <laughs> Hindig is a great song. So I think a, Hindig is from, it must have been from that, I'm sure it was from that show. Hindig was a great I song. I don't remember him singing it then. But Hindig is basically the story, um, it's, the, it's, the, it's the story of Rabbi Nachman of the Hindig, which if people don't know, I won't go into it, but I'll just tell you. Hindig is turkey. I think it's a turkey, right? Is, is well, it a chicken, chicken or a turkey? Chicken. I don't it's a chicken. chicken. It's, a, it's, a, it's about this um, prince who decides he's a chicken and goes under the table. Nobody can make him not a chicken until one guy gets under the table and says, I'm also a chicken, but a chicken can wear clothes, and then you, can, you could be a chicken with clothes, and then that's how he gets him out. And, but Haran Benari turns it into a story, as you said, about Wikipedia, but, but I think more explicitly in this song, it's about... Um, understanding our children and letting and, and understanding that, that that they might feel different and that they might not feel part of of the group and they might be afraid and that that all all they really need is our understanding that that's okay and that if we give them that space to feel different then then um, they'll feel our love and acceptance and it's incredible it's a beautiful song I saw under under that under that YouTube video somebody wrote every parent should listen to this song hmm. um, and. Um, chal- chal- I, this is still, I'm getting to my song that I want to talk about, but I can't not mention Cholem Kmo Yosef, which is his latest, most popular song. It's a lovely um, song. It's which a lovely is song. a beautiful song where he basically talks, he takes characters from Tanakh and he says, we are all, right, each of us, he talks about himself, but again, it becomes each of us, 
each of us is a dreamer like Yosef. Each of us, my favorite line, each of us has a Hevel that we are jealous of, ad mavet, that we could kill, which is such a deep thing to say. Um, this awareness, we all have wonderful things inside us, but we all have terrible things inside us. Uh, he talks about his frailty and his fallibility a, a lot. And, but Cholem Kmo Yosef is a song, again, that I think reflects what Israeli society is doing, which is updating Tanakh to be relevant in our daily lives. Every one of us is, I love how he puts the women in there, um, but he also, every one of us is a warrior like Devorah, he says. Um, and he, and, he, and then his, the, the chorus there is, I am like Yosef, I fell into a pit and I have to deal with that. And like Yosef, and like David, I make a song out of it, which I think is who he is, right? It's like I, I, I live mm. these, these I, I struggle with life and then I try to turn it into a song. And then he says, and we, 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 are all, we are all the heroes of our own story. And it's such a beautiful message on an individual level and on a national level. And, and all these things we were talking about, about um, again, bringing, bringing, the, the, the Torah, I would say, alive. By the way, I have to also mention the word, song Alufa Olam because it's the same thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to get to your song. song. I know, I know. <laughs> Alufa Olam is the same thing. Alufa Olam, if you listen to it on a shallow level, Ani Alufa Olam, I'm the master of the world. You think you're hearing a song I'm about the champion of the world. I'm, I'm the, the champion. champion of the world. And then what he starts saying is, I'm the champion of falling. I'm the champion of failing. I'm the ch- champion of self-delusion. But I'm also the champion of getting up and, of, and keeping on going. And it's, again, this incredibly deep message about human frailty and, fa- and fallibility, but it's, it's hopeful. And I think that's also very Israeli, that ability to recognize difficulty and hardship, but then to, to kind, of, kind of take a stand for, for getting up. Wait, right? Ma, I want to yeah. sort of ask, zoom out for a second before you get to your song. Yeah. The more I'm thinking about this, the more I realize... Like, like when I like one of the things that may, that's so meaningful is that the lyrics are meaningful. That you hear the lyrics. What would you say to a person who is not fluent? I mean, these are fast songs. They're hard to follow if you're not Israeli. So, so what would you say to a person who's listening to this podcast, saying, "Wow, I really I've heard these songs, but never listened to them." How can you? So, and I'm going to ask Johnny. I'll ask Johnny to comment also. How can a person? Or, or listen to these songs and understand, is there a way for them to, the words are hard, understand the words and to sort of understand and get connected to these songs in a more meaningful way. Right. So, is there anything I, you can say? I don't know. I'll okay. just say, first of all, look up, it's very easy to find lyrics online. Yeah, so the lyrics are all on Wikipedia. The lyrics are all there or whatever. They're on, yeah, yeah they're, they're all on, they're all there. Some of them are in translation. If not, like have a chavrusa in them. It's the same way you would learn anything. Uh, you can use Google Translate, make sure it's translating it right. But like, if not, like it's not. But okay. I understand. But like, you're, no, you, but like, you said, so like, that's a good. I'm words. saying that's a great suggestion. You have to st- if, if you don't understand the words, like take the, a couple of these songs that we mentioned that you found. You know, if you're a fan of Mali and who's not, pick a couple of the songs of like Hindik or Imtirzi or you know or Wikipedia. And you have to study it. You have to understand the words in order to understand and appreciate the the deeper nature of it, like you would a uh, poetry, I guess. Johnny, what do you think? I I agree with everything you said. Uh, many, although not all of the lyrics, uh, do exist in translation. But nevertheless, what they don't have, and which is what we've done for one or two of the songs, is give a, a nod to the inherent meaning of the 
author when writing them. We mentioned there is allusions to Shira Shirim in some songs. There are biblical references in others. That's some are more obvious, but some are much more embedded, more hidden, uh, and that you're unlikely to find. Uh, I think there was an article in Lara House which uh, uh, unpicked uh, two of his songs uh, for some of us, uh, for some of our lead listeners who may be familiar with that article. But I agree this is something worthwhile doing both with his music and also with some other uh, artists as well. People should also know that there are books uh, already for some years which uh, explore biblical meaning of popular music. So there is a genre of studies. I don't know quite whether Hanan Ben Ari is yet in those studies. I suspect there's some papers about him and perhaps we can do some digging ourselves. But there are already studies and books which look at some of the more classic musicians and identify how their, their, the words of their songs are uh, influenced by and enriched by uh, words and ideas and allusions and metaphors from the Tanakh and elsewhere. Well, somebody tells me these, are, these are not popular, popular books. They're more academic books. They, they are, but nevertheless, I think they're, they're important and, and it's so wonderful to have a culture when there is depth in lyrics where... When the more you look into them, not the shallower they are, but the the, the deeper they are. And and I, we've mentioned Hanan Ben Ari. There are other musicians. Next week, uh, my wife and I were going to Shlomi Shabbat concert. We like him a lot. There there are a number of musicians whose words are deep, whose tones are beautiful, and whose message is profound. See, see, and truth be told, these are the anthems of contemporary Israel. You know. We grew up with some of these anthems, but more, uh, more of them, you listen to the radio, and they lift you when you're feeling down, and sometimes they uh, guide you when you're not quite sure what to do. So it's really interesting that you mentioned that, because it, at this concert that we were at, so all, the, the concert was together with a very, very, very famous uh, secular, secular singer named Aviv Geffen. Mm-hmm. And Aviv Geffen well, got on stage. Now we know stage. who it is because Aviv Geffen and right, it's very right. well we known that yes. the two of them got together and sang, and it was a, a moment. Of, okay, um, I, I don't say it's unity. bad. My my kid liked it. I just I just don't. It's just me. Mm-hmm. It's not about. I don't I don't want to be critical. Really, he sang beautifully. It's just not not something that I love anymore. And I used to listen as a kid all the time. Anyway, um, so Aviv Geffen got up. Aviv Geffen stood in front of the crowd of Yavid Yamin and said, "I want to apologize for insulting you." And I, I don't want to decide whether it's an act or whether it's real. Or, I don't think or, it is. I think he's very sincere. Okay, I don't care. It's not, it's not the point. No. The, but it was like, I, so I didn't really understand this. But like on Shabbat, I was talking to friends. And they told me it's, it's as if like, it's, it's, it was, it's earth shattering. Because he was the symbol of secular anti-religiosity. Yeah. And so you see this trend, not just in the music of Hanman bin Ari, but clearly... I, Aviv Geffen, I, I, ho- I hope in the best world, he's had an awakening and he's connected. He talked about his bar mitzvah that he had. I mean, they were like, these guys, their, their, their jaw was on the floor. There's like, when they grew up, Aviv Geffen was like a Madonna criticizing, you know, criticizing the Pope. Can you imagine Madonna getting out and saying, I'd like to apologize to, Catholic, to Catholicism for, 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 you know, for being negative about religion. They, they were like, it was, it was earth shattering. It's really like that. But clearly, he's like you see the world moving, the Israeli world, as opposed to what you said in America, where it's literally moving the other direction of, of anti-religiosity and anti-tradition. Here, you see exactly the opposite, that, that there's more and more infusing of, of some of these values, even in the most 
secular of, of artists. And there's more unity. It's, it's, about, it's about religiosity, but it's also about, um, about I think the, pop, the public is ahead of the politicians when it comes to, um, to how we feel the idea of unification. And I'm not belittling. There are still places of tremendous um, abyss between different cultures, but I think there's also a lot of movement towards unity in many ways. Okay, okay, Molly, last my song. song. All right, my song is Ma I chose it because, um, Ruby, you said you thought Wikipedia was like, you know, sort of melancholy. This yeah, this, song, is, yeah. this is a song in which a religious singer is willing to yell at God, right? That's what he's doing. This is a song where he's basically saying, I'll just read a little bit. I'll read just the, Ma Tarot Tzalimani, Ma, Ma, Mi Bikesh Mimcha Lizrok Bi Neshama. What do you want from me, God? And then he's like, what? What? Who asked you to give me a soul, but not give me a soul, to throw a soul into my body? Right? What do I need this for? Right? Why won't you come visit me in the afternoon, give me a hug, look me in the eyes? Right? This song is, is so deep, right? Because... And I've actually heard um, my daughter said to me that there's some religious people who who were like upset by it. They were upset that he was. Oh yeah, it was very controversial. Daring enough to yell at God, right? What do you want from me, God? But the truth is that the message. First of all, it's 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 David Hamelech, right? There's actually a mizmor. There's one of the mizmorim of 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 Tehillim where David does a very similar thing, right? Most mizmorim of Tehillim end on a happy note. There's a there's a conflict and there's a resolution. Then you know David and God are in good place. And there there's one mizmor that does not end that way. I remember I learned it with Rabbi Mordechai Cohen, um, and and basically it ends. God just please leave me alone. And I said to Rabbi Cohen, what kind of a mizmor is this? And he said, but he's still talking to God even when he's in a place where what he's saying to God is I, I leave me alone. He's saying it to God. And as long as there's conversation and relationship. Right. Then there's relationship and there's communication. And that's what this song is. And I think it's really powerful and it's really profound. And I think that there are times in all of our lives when we hit this place, when we're like we, we, we all want to yell at God. We all want to scream at God. We all want to say, I don't know what you want from me. I don't know how to serve you anymore. The, the traditional ways are not working. Why can't I feel, I want to feel your presence. I love you. I hate you. I don't know what I'm feeling. But at the end of the day, right, well, that's what he basically says, like, come and be with me right so the ultimate message here i think is is positive but he's giving so much room for people to have um doubts and questions about the religious experience and he's also giving so much room for people to have pain and i think that that is so important and so powerful and maybe before people have these painful experiences they don't understand why but once people have had painful experiences um something to relate to that they can they can experience and listen to and and feel and sing when they're in that pain i think is 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 a gift and i think it's so brave of him to write the song and i think it's therefore for me maybe his most important song johnny you want to re- re- reply to that i mean 
I, I think what Mali said is very beautiful. I think what Hanan uh, Benari is trying to achieve is very beautiful. It goes back to the word that all of us have really touched on, uh, called authenticity, I, especially where so many musicians get caught up by fame and fortune, uh, which often, by the way, leads to unhealthy lifestyles. And you have this dissonance between respecting their music and feeling often uncomfortable with sometimes how that person is living in terms of uh, what leads them to write their music. This is somebody who is a, a really powerful dogma, a really powerful example to each and every one of us. He, he doesn't pretend he's something he's not. Uh, and he shares his the, the daily up and down uh, of life with others. And in a world where sometimes we airbrush and sometimes we only see the faults, somebody who recognizes that life is a bittersweet mix and yet as a Jew we're supposed to see the good more than the bad, he does a really good job at that and uh, I'm very thankful. Okay, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Now listening to this conversation, first of all, this was really fun. It's glad to be back. Uh, it's good to see all of you again. Uh, so uh, if you want to listen to these songs, subscribe to Spotify. You can find them or Apple Music, any, any subscription. They're on YouTube. They're very, YouTube. very easy to find. Um, and and we, obviously we love them. We don't need any Hamletzot this week because it's basically a whole podcast was a Hamletza, as was the Hebrew word of the, of the, uh, of the week. I think we, we mentioned enough Hebrew this week to, uh, to fulfill that. Okay, I want to thank Molly Brevsky and her Johnny Solomon. Thank my son, Petachia, for uh, writing our introduction music. If you like this podcast, uh, please share it with others. Write us a, uh, a, a review on the iTunes app. It's called Apple Music, or what is called Apple Podcast, I think, so other people see it and enjoy it. Uh, we'll see you next week, everybody.